I have uh, a bit of a confession to make. Uh, we're all adults here. Some of us are kids. We can, we can take a confession here. I cannot stand automated telephone systems. I realize they've been around a long time. Uh, but you call a big company up, and instead of getting somebody, you have to go through all these prompts and hit this and raise your right hand. No, you have to do that. But, and then sometimes they've they, they got the cool voice, you know, where, where it almost sounds kind of like a real person, but it's, it's an automated, computer-generated thing. And sometimes you have to say stuff. And is it just me, or can they ever understand what you say? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's very frustrating. You feel my pain, you feel the pain, right? We'll do a support group after this. But yeah, you, you, you do all those prompts, and then you finally get to a spot where you think, okay, now I'm going to get the help I need. And then what happens is you get put into this eternal hold with the really horrible music. You know what I'm talking about. The music that it's worse than elevator music. I don't even know where they get this stuff, but it's just, it's just like endless loop, right? I tell you what, every time that happens to me, I just feel like my life is slowly going away. I just feel like I can feel myself age. I get so frustrated. I don't like waiting, okay? I don't like lines. If we're at an amusement park and they have a thing where you can pay a little extra to get past the line, sign me up. I'll pay for that. I can't stand waiting. And for me, I think, and this is not a theological truth, but for me, I feel like hell would be kind of like a return line at your local retailer. You know what I mean? It just, I just feel like and, and eternity is, yeah, it's a hard concept for me because I, I don't want to see the same thing over and over again. I want to I get through it, get, get stuff done. And then I, I met Jesus, and I started to understand the, the, the Christian thing and understand church and everything. And, and lo and behold, they start talking about this eternity thing. And I think initially I was a little worried because I thought, I don't, I don't know that I'd I, I, I be everywhere, forever. It started to, to kind of make me a little scared that it was just going to be this, this endless, you know, Groundhog Day movie where you wake up in the next day and, and is that what it's supposed to be? And then I would see pictures and people would say, well, this is what eternity is going to be like and what heaven's going to be like. And, and you see little babies floating around clouds with diapers on and playing harps. And I'm thinking, I don't know that I'm, I'm buying this thing. I don't know that I, that's what I want for eternity forever. Luckily, as I studied the scripture, I realized, okay, that's not the picture that scripture talks about when it comes to what heaven is going to be like. There, there's, there's new heavens and new earth, new creation. When you get to the end of, of Revelation, you see some of that. They talk about a new city, a new Jerusalem. There's going to be lots of cool things. So I'm very thankful that that's what the scriptures talk about with regard to eternity. And, and we know eternity is kind of a big concept, right? infinity, forever. And it's hard for us because everything in our life has like a time frame, you know? We get up and we got, you know, so many hours and then the daylight goes away. And, and, and many of us that have, that have been around the planet a few times, we realize that, you know, our time is not infinite. It's going to, our time on this planet is, is, is limited. We don't know if we're going to get tomorrow, do we? And so time is, is a concept that, that really kind of we butt into all the time. And so when we think about eternity, it can be overwhelming because it seems like something we just cannot get our minds around. Well, why am I bringing all this up? Well, actually, we're going to be talking about that today. We are wrapping up our series called Identity, where we've been unpacking that crucial question, just who are you anyway? 
And it's been said this is probably the number one thing that humans need to wrestle with. Who are we? What is our identity? Why am I on this planet? What, what am I doing here? Am I just fogging a mirror and having a carbon footprint? Or does God have something for me? And so answering this question becomes super, super crucial for all of us. And so hopefully you've been able to catch some of the episodes. We're in the fourth episode. We're wrapping it up today. I'm kind of parking the, the vehicle today. So if you missed any, you can always go back and get those episodes online and that sort of thing. We have that all available on our website. Make sure you catch up. But just for a recap, we, we talked in week one, and it was on Easter, about how we are unconditionally loved. That's love without strings attached. God doesn't make any... He loves you unconditionally. And we said something in that week one. Let me see if we, if we can do this. Uh, first service was a little slow on the, on the uptake on this one. But let's see if we can do it better. We, we, we had a phrase that we said. See if you can remember it. Uh, God's love for me is unearned, unconditional, and isn't that unbelievable? Okay, I think we can, we can do a little better here. So God's love for me is unearned, unconditional, and isn't that unbelievable? Right, that was week one. And then we lean into week two where we discovered that actually we are infinitely valuable to God. We are valuable to him. We're like a masterpiece. He, he made you and he broke that mold. He made you special. And, and because he made you special, you have special things that he's created for you to do even before you took your first breath. God had you in mind and he had some things he wanted you to be about. So you are, you are infinitely valuable to God, kind of like a, a masterpiece work of art that, that God would never want to let you go. You're just too valuable. He's got you hanging up. You are special, that's special to him. And then last weekend, we talked about how you and I, we're uniquely created. Unlike any other creature on the planet, we have been given the image and likeness of God. I read something this week that said, actually, when you think about being made in the image and likeness of God, there, listen to this, there are things that are true about God that are also true about you. Mind blown, right? We are uniquely created. In fact, we did some science-y stuff in that, right, last week or two, where we talked about how actually you're a miracle. That by science, the odds of you being born was like, what, one in four trillion, something like this, it was on Huffington Post, right? You are, by science, a miracle. So you're unconditionally loved. You, you are infinitely valuable, and you have been created uniquely by God, handcrafted to be about his good work, and that's a good thing. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm so glad you joined in today, uh, whether that be uh, here in person. It's good to see people in person again. It just warms my heart. We need this. Uh, but if you're online with us today, we're glad you're here too. We do this every Sunday. Because a couple thousand years ago, Jesus of Nazareth was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, did amazing things, miracles, taught some amazing things, but then gave up his life on that Roman cross. But on a Sunday, three days later, he rose from the dead and changed human history forever and changed a lot of the hearts in this room forever. And that's why we gather on Sundays to lift up the name of Jesus like Christians all over the globe right now. We lift up the name of Jesus, our, our world changer. And today we lean in 
to uh, uh, talking more about, about that identity that we have because of God's love for us. Hey, if you, if you still have that passport tool, look, I even got, uh, I, mine got stamped today. So I don't know if you've been following along with these things. I know it's kind of goofy, but you get a little stamp. It's a little fingerprint. We've been doing this so that you can take this beyond just Sunday morning. And the hope is that you'd be studying and there's some extra scriptures in there. I hope you've taken advantage of that. This is kind of your last week. If you hadn't done that yet or if this is your first Sunday in this series, make sure you grab one on the way out too. Super helpful to do that beyond just Sunday morning. It's really important that we spend time with God every single day. It's our heartbeat. So let's lean in and let's have a prayer and talk about forever today. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love, your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we lean in today that you'd speak by the power of your word to us and, and help us understand just who we are and how much you truly love, value us, how you've created us, and how you favor us. And so, Father, we lean into your, to your word. Speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what does Scripture say about eternity? Well, many of you have at least glanced at or have heard of the last book of the Bible. It's called Revelation, right? You get to Revelation, and, and uh, I, I remember when I was a new Christian, they said, oh, you want to know all about the end times? Just read Revelation. It'll make perfect sense. No, <laughs> it didn't make perfect sense to me. But I will tell you what did make sense. At the end, Jesus wins. But what's also cool at the end is this description of, of a new city, of people of all tribes, tongue, and nations coming together to worship Jesus together around the throne. And there's new creation, new heavens, and new earth. And Scripture talks about that being a reality for us, new. And it's all hinged upon the truth and reality of Jesus' resurrection. Like, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this whole, all, all bets are off. We're, we're toast. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he proved that death no longer has sting. And that means that you and I, when we're in Christ, the day we take our last breath in this life, we take our first breath in eternity. And there's some people I can't wait to see. I can't wait to meet up when I take that breath in new heavens and new earth, new life. And some of you probably feel the same way. Can't wait to cross over. But right now, God's got work for us to do. But one day, we have this new reality that's going to happen in new heavens and new earth. But Jesus' resurrection makes that all possible. In fact, one of the writers of Scripture, a guy named Paul, who was an early church leader, he wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament, and, and he writes about the importance of resurrection. Like, eternity and life after this, it's all hinged on resurrection. And so if Jesus did not rise from the dead, we're without hope. And so he writes to his friends in Corinth, the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read some of that for you right now. So if you have a Bible, you can find 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul is making this case about the importance of resurrection. I'm going to start in verse 12. About You can read the whole chapter. It's really good stuff. But I'll start with verse 12 here. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Listen closely. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, 
whom he did not raise, if it is true the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, even not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Whew. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What's Paul doing here? He's making a strong case that absolutely resurrection happened. Because if resurrection didn't happen, he wasn't God. Nothing like he said was supposed to happen happened. I mean, he, 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 he threw us for a loop. Then if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there is no hope after this life. And in fact, our sins aren't taken care of. And so Paul's resounding answer is obviously resurrection happened. In fact, a lot of historians think that, the, that there's, there's a, a pretty sizable body of evidence that this resurrection would have had to happen for a bunch of people to walk away from the Jewish faith on a heartbeat and for people to give up their lives for this thing. That, that this had to happen because that Sunday morning when that tomb was empty, the Jewish leadership was trying desperately to cover up this big scandal, but his body was gone. There is no explanation for the explosion of the early church and for people who had been Jewish people all their life to say Jesus is Lord. There's no other, uh, uh, there's no other explanation but that resurrection happened. And because resurrection happened, death no longer has a sting. And we are now given this reality of being eternal beings that once we take that last breath here, we take our first breath into new heavens and new earth. And that is good news. If you're in Christ, you need to feel confident in that reality. Paul will write to his friends in Philippi later, and he'll, he'll say this. This is Philipp, uh, Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, check this out, transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So maybe if you're thinking, you know, uh, when, I, when I take that first breath in, in new, new heavens and new earth, you're thinking, wow, I'm going to get a, a transformed body. And uh, I'm kind of excited. I, 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 if I get my say in it, I'd like to be a little taller and uh, maybe a little bigger physique. But our lowly body is transformed. See, there's, 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 there's new heavens and new earth. And yes, we have great work that God's called us to do right here and now, but there is a not yet. And you need to feel good about that. That God has got new heavens and new earth. No, we're not going to be floating around clouds, as far as I know, playing little harps for eternity. No, God has some great things in store for us. And that's good news, and that should feel comfort. See, in Christ, we have resurrection. We have life after this life. The reality is we are eternal beings. And, and, and God actually wants to spend eternity with you. That's pretty good news. I know some of you. God wants to spend eternity with you. In fact, <laughs> see, I, I, opened that, I opened that door. Before you were ever born, God had you in mind. He saw you before you ever took your first breath. And he didn't just see you because he was just like, well, I'm going to create them a little later. 
He actually saw you and loved you already. And, and he saw you and wanted to be in a relationship with you before you were ever born. God didn't need you. He wants you. Do you see the difference of that? He's not up there, you know, like some codependent father needing, you know, some kind of validation from us. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He is perfect, and he wants to be in a relationship with you for eternity. That's an amazing reality. In fact, Romans 6 says, look, we're alive eternally. Romans 8, a few chapters later, said we are inseparable from God's great love. In Ephesians 2, the scripture tells that we are raised up with Christ. In, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're saved. We are saved. We are rescued. We are Jesus' representatives to the world. We are his ambassadors. We get to live out the reality of, of our identity every day. That we're, we're loved and we're valued. And, 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 and we, are, we, are, we are created special. And, and, and today we're going to learn that we're also so favored by God. See, we're, we're his ambassadors. Ephesians 1, 4 says, we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. 2 Timothy 2, 12 says this, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. We get a chance to reign with God. That's a special position that we get with the Father. We are citizens of heaven. Our passports, stamped with Christ on it, never expire. We have access to the throne directly. We're part of the kingdom. And that means that you are forever favored by the Father. Who are you? You are forever favored by the Father. Forever. See, one day, we will get to see him face to face. And that's going to be an awesome thing. And I have a lot of questions for him. Do you, do you have some kind of some, you have, are you building a question list that you want to ask God when you cross over? You know, why yellow jackets, stuff like that, right? Mosquitoes, I think we could have done better. But, but you have these questions. When we see him face to face, we're going to come face to face with eternity. But the reality is he's loved us all the way through. He's loved, even when you were in your worst, he still loved you. That's what Romans 5, 8 is all about. He still loved you. And, and you are forever favored by him. In fact, he even says, look, these little things that we do here on, the, on the, the time that we have, you know, the finite time that we have, we are eternal beings, but right now on this planet, we're breathing and we have a finite amount of time. The, the, the small things that we do for him, he sees and he thinks are big things. That when you choose not to take revenge, when you choose to be generous, when you choose to show kindness, those little things that maybe nobody else will see, scriptures tell us there's, he, he wants to reward that. In fact, Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19, listen to Jesus' words. Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth or rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. That we're actually, we ought to be looking to the heavenly bank account, uh, in that we're, we're making deposits all the time when we do those little things that, that some people may not even see. You know, when you do that little thing for your neighbor, or you're kind to someone, or you don't, you don't cheat someone. See, these are all little things that matter to God. Those don't save us, 
But they're part of that beautiful work that he saved us for, right? That he redeemed us for, those beautiful things that he created way before we were ever born. So you and I, in Christ, we're guaranteed a special place both now and not yet. A special place in creation. And we get to practice here and even not yet this idea of resurrection. We practice resurrection. Now, I know that seems like an odd phrase. I want to unpack it a little bit. It actually comes from a poem by Wendell Berry. You ever heard of Wendell Berry? He he wrote this poem a while ago, and uh, the poem is actually called Manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front. I'm actually not sure what that means, but the end of the poem uses that phrase, practice resurrection. Let's unpack it a little bit. Here's a couple lines from that poem. Every day, do something that doesn't compute. Love the Lord, love the world, work for nothing, and love radically. In so doing, you're practicing resurrection. I love what Carrie Woodward, who who led Food for the Hungry, it's a a, a great organization feeding uh, people all over the planet, but Food for the Hungry, she led that for a while, and she said this about the poem. She said, Mr. Berry's asking us uh, to, to reconsider life. While the world entices us with shiny things that have no long-term value, Mr. Berry asks us to invest our time differently. He entreats us, spend your lives following God. Build strong communities. Remember what matters. And when Berry says, practice resurrection, I think he's asking us to remember that Christians are witnesses to Christ's one-time resurrection. We demonstrate the power of God's redemption of the world and how we live and how we love. Practicing resurrection is obeying Jesus' call to love our neighbors and to love our enemies. Isn't that cool? Practice resurrection. Why? Because you're forever favored by the Father. You are secure in that. God's love is so powerful, he holds on tight, even when sometimes we want to let go. God holds on tight. He loves us that much. Things in life get crazy. Relationships go sideways. Health goes sideways. God is powerful enough to hold you in his hands. And he loves you so much. And he wants you and I to know that we're forever favored by the Father. And that means that frees us up to practice resurrection. Uh, Pastor and theologian, the late pastor and theologian, Eugene Peterson. Uh, Some of you may know Eugene Peterson from his version of the Bible. He did a version called The Message and it's, it's, it's a very conversational take on the scriptures. And he wrote that for, I think, a Sunday school class that he was teaching back when he was a pastor. But he, he, uh, he actually passed away a few years ago. But one of the things that he wrote in a book by the same title, by the way, Practice Resurrection, he wrote a book by that title. And uh, what he was saying in there is that Christ followers, we, we get to practice the resurrection life of Christ by growing up and pursuing maturity. And that means we embrace the fruit of the Spirit. And there are nine of them. How many do you know? This is practicing resurrection when we show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. The nine fruit of the Spirit. We practice resurrection when those become what people could see in our lives. And what happens is, when we're practicing resurrection like that, people see that and they go, wow, God must be good. Wow, God must be real. See, we, we, we actually glorify God by practicing resurrection every day. And the, the reality is, 
that once we take our last breath here and we take our first breath in new heavens and new earth, we won't miss a beat because we've been practicing resurrection our entire lives. So when we, can, when we cross over, it's going to be a seamless deal. Oh yeah, that's the kingdom. I've been living in the kingdom even while I was here. And now I cross over and we're in the kingdom. Now f- for eternity, new heavens and new earth. We practice resurrection. Neil Anderson wrote this a few years ago and he said, the great thing about practicing resurrection and living out Christ's reality in your life now is that not only can we produce those fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience all of those but also in christ did you know that you've been freed from the tyranny of sin that the chains have been broken that you no longer have to say yes to sin that there is a different path first corinthians 10 13 it's one that i recognize first corinthians 10 13 yeah i recognize or I, I, I did that memory verse a long time ago no temptation has hit you except it's it's, it's common to all of us. And God is faithful. He, he, he won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. When you are tempted, he'll provide a way of escape so you can bear up under it. I just hashed it a little bit, but you no longer have to say yes to sin. In Christ, it's been broken. Now, some of you, yeah, you may need some extra help. You may need some, some things like that. It could be an addiction or something that you can't say no to, but you no longer have to say yes. Christ has broken the chains and we get to live out resurrection. That's some powerful, powerful reality. We're chosen and we are forever favored. We are new creations, practicing the new humanity, both now and not yet. I love what, what theologian N.T. Wright says about this. He says, we're, we're made new human. That in Christ, he modeled the new humanity. And we get to be like that, both now and not yet. We get to be part of that new creation and practice resurrection. So, let's come back to the question, right? We're wrapping this thing up. Just who are you anyway? Who are you? We're God's children, and by faith, we are forever favored by God. Before you were ever having your first cry, God had you in mind, and he loved you and wanted to be in a relationship with you, and he had things he wanted you to be about. You are forever favored, and that means we have security there that we don't have to worry. God has got that covered. He is strong enough to hold you even when you can't quite stand up yourself. He is strong enough. He loves you so much. He would pull out all the stops. and He would even do that because he loves you. And you need to be secure in that love today, that he loves you and you are eternally chosen by God. I love what 2 Corinthians 5 says. When our earthly body gives way, gives out, 2 Corinthians 5 says, when our home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. You take your last breath here. You take your first breath in new heavens and new earth. You get a transformed body. You are in the loving hands like you've always been in God. You are eternally chosen and you are forever favored by God. So we can begin that work. We can do it today. Let's practice resurrection to our neighbors, our friends, the people in our community, that we would show that fruit of the Spirit because what happens is when people see that, they get to see and glorify God. And that's a beautiful thing. And maybe, maybe one day they'll decide, I, I want that in my life. We get to practice resurrection. So who are we? We are, come on, unconditionally loved. 
We are infinitely valued. We are uniquely created. And we are eternally chosen. God wants to be with you for eternity. That's who you are. Don't listen to what social media says or what news outlets might tell you or what advertisers want to tell you. You are loved. You are unique, beautifully created. You are infinitely valued and you are eternally chosen by God. That's who you are. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for setting the record straight on on just who we are. Father, thank you that you've given us an identity that starts with radical love. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, help us to practice that resurrection because of all your love for us, because of, of the identity that we have in you and in your son Jesus. Help us to practice resurrection in our world and that people might see that and glorify you. And then, Father, one day when we take our first step in the new heavens and new earth, that this will all come together as a beautiful, seamless story of your great love for us. Father, help us practice resurrection today. In Jesus' name, amen.